The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit georgiafaith.com. Thank you for listening. So I had this friend. He was the kind of friend you could pretty much tell anything to do, anything to, but, uh, but maybe not this because he didn't want to hear it. But the girl that he'd been dating was just nothing but trouble. You know, his friend group, we, we all remembered what she was like. Right? She was kind of one of those girlfriends that always treated him like garbage. She broke up with him. I don't even remember how many times. But every time she came back, he took her back. And the rest of the friend group just kind of sighed on the inside. But it was the day when he came with the big news that he was getting married. Finally, it was a moment where, you know what, you might lose the friendship, but someone has to speak truth to him. Married. You're going to marry this girl, the one who hurt you. You remember that, right? The one who left you. You're going to marry her? Are you serious? But he followed it up with the words that just were unbelievable. He said, it's going to be okay because I love her. And all of the rest of the friend group kind of on the inside was rolling their eyes and starting to place the over-under bet on just how long this was going to last. Because, you know, Hollywood sells a lot of movies on the premise that love conquers all, but, but when you've lived a little bit of life, well, you come to the realization that that love sometimes doesn't seem like it's enough to change things that are that bad. I mean, we maybe are a little skeptical about that. I mean, that's why, you know, um, we're not ready to believe that love conquers all. When your daughter says she wants to cross the country in a van with a drummer from an indie band, and it's okay because we're in love, no. Just no, right? We understand that love sometimes isn't enough. When the van runs out of gas in Utah, love ain't going to fill the tank, right? We understand that love doesn't necessarily make things get better. I mean, we can love our country all day long, but that doesn't necessarily stop a terrorist from packing a pressure cooker full of explosives. You might love the environment, but that's no guarantee that there won't be hurricanes or floods or fires in California. We even know that we love our children, but that love is, is no guarantee that tragedy can't happen. We know it. I thought of that this week when I heard a song on the radio. It was a song by Eric Clapton. Obviously, he was a very famous singer-songwriter. The, the song was uh, one of his most popular ones, Tears in Heaven. You probably have heard it, uh, the, like the lyrics, uh, Would you know my name if I saw you in heaven? Probably many of you have heard the song, but do all of you know the occasion on which it was written? Eric Clapton had a four-year-old boy uh, who lived in the 53rd floor of an apartment building with his mother. And one day, he went to run and press his face against the glass window, the the floor-to-ceiling window that he usually did, but someone had left the window open. The little boy fell out the 53rd floor. 
tragic story. And of course, Eric Clapton, you know, he writes this song as part of his grieving process. But boy, you know what? Even though he loved his son, he was stuck wondering, as the name says, or as the, as the song says, will, will you know my name in heaven? When we look at things like that, or hear about things like that, we can be struck by just how broken the world is in which we live. And I don't even mean, just mean the big brokenness like wars in Ukraine or, or, or viruses that are spreading pandemic. I mean, each of us, many of you, know what it feels like to have the broken, jagged edges of life right now. Maybe you're struggling with a disease. Maybe you're struggling with an addiction. Maybe you're mourning for someone that you loved. There are days that you can look at the jagged pieces of your life and wonder, what's gone wrong with this world? It's a really important time to remember that this is not the world the way our God made it. God never designed a world where little boys fall out of apartment buildings. God didn't design a world where you have to struggle with cancer. God did not design a world where you're struggling in a relationship or struggling with addiction or facing war or hurricane or natural disaster. That's not the world God created. That's just what we did to it. When Adam and Eve brought sin into a perfect world, you and I are still feeling the repercussions of the cosmic ruin that it wrought. But you know, here's the thing. God doesn't want us to look at a broken world and feel helpless. He doesn't want you to be facing down a disease and feel hopeless. No, in fact, what God wants to do is even in the midst of a broken and jagged world, God wants his people to have hope and confidence and peace. And that's why he gave a very special message through a man named John. So John, this is the, uh, the, the Peter, James, and John of the disciples. This is the, the, the John that Jesus committed his mother's care to at the cross. Well, John the disciple, he ended up living a long life, preaching Jesus, uh, settled in the city of Ephesus, preached Jesus there for many, many years. But in his later years, right towards the end of his life, he was arrested, persecuted for preaching Jesus. And they took him away from Ephesus and they put him on a prison island called Patmos. Patmos was not that far from Ephesus. In fact, if you climb to the highest point of the island of Patmos, you can look across about 40 miles of ocean and just on a clear day make out the coast and the city where his family was and his church was and his home was. Patmos was so close to Ephesus, but there was just no way to get there. There are times when we're struggling in life where it seems like God's promises are about 40 miles away across the ocean we hear them, we see them, but we wonder if we'll ever get there. Well, Jesus doesn't want you to feel that way. Jesus wants you to have hope and peace and confidence even in the midst of a broken world. So what he did was he gave a message to his church, this man named John. One day on a Sunday, the resurrected Jesus appears to John on the prison island of Patmos and he gives him a vision. He lets them see what's going to happen. It's a vision for a church that's at war with the world, 
a vision for a church that's facing the shambles that sin has wrought in, on this, in this planet and in our society. But it's a message that Jesus says that he's going to make everything right that's wrong in your life right now. And no matter what it looks like right now, Jesus is going to win. So we call this book the Revelation of St. John. It's the last book of the New Testament. And it's, well, basically it's God's promise to his people, his promise that says, it's going to be okay because I love you. Now, for those of us who maybe are a little bit skeptical about whether love can change things, God has an answer. And when the book of Revelation, this answer that God gives is a promise so high, so lofty, so grand, that it's a promise God does not give to the mouth of an angel or a prophet. No, instead, this promise comes from God the Father the only time he speaks in the book of Revelation. When he speaks from the throne and he says this, He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. This high and lofty promise is that God looks too at the broken, jagged edges of life in this world, and the God who once had created a world perfectly promises to recreate it with the perfection with which he intended it, to give us that world, that life, where everything that's broken now is fixed, everything that's wrong is right. That's really what this second reading that we had in our, in our, uh, God, excuse me, in our service folder this morning, the second reading is really the climax of the book of Revelation. Right? After showing the church that there's going to be struggles, but Jesus is going to win. After reminding the church that they're going to have hardships, but Jesus is going to win. Finally, we get to the climax of the book, and what it says here is God says, I'm going to make everything new. Everything that your heart hopes for and longs for is going to be new again can undo what sin has done. Right. Have you ever watched somebody turn clay on a pottery wheel? Right. The idea that clay spins and you can form a beautiful vase. But you know, if I've got a beautiful vase spinning on my pottery wheel and someone comes or sticks their finger in the side of the wet clay, what happens? It's all off balance. It falls, throws chunks of clay around and falls apart. God had created a perfect world but then Adam and Eve shoved the finger of sin into it. And what happened is what you and I know. It fell in upon itself, and we're still dealing with the cosmic ruin that that finger caused. But that's not the way God is going to leave it. Instead, he says that at the end of time, he's going to gather up the clay off the ground, off the table, and he's going to remake this world. Listen to what John saw, part of his vision. He said, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. God says he's going to take the marred clay that you and I have to deal with on a daily basis, and he's going to turn it back into the work of art that he had always intended it to be. Listen. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. How much can love really change? God says that he's going to change the world completely. He's going to restore it to its, like it was in Eden, when Adam and Eve walked and talked with God in the garden in the cool of the day. He says he's going to make his dwelling place 
with you. That you'll walk with God and you'll know his heart and you'll know his mind. He will be your God. You will be his people. And then he promises he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. You know, that uh, song by Eric Clapton is about a very tragic event, but I wonder if the title's a little misleading. And the title is Tears in Heaven, but if you remember the way he closes the song, he says, Beyond the door there's peace, I'm sure, and I know there'll be no more tears in heaven. That confesses the great promise of God, the great Christian truth, that a time is coming when our great enemy will be swallowed up in victory, when everything that your heart longs for will be given it, when even those that you've lost will be returned, and then God wipes away every tear from our eyes because death will be no more. I mean, that one great enemy that robs us of our dreams, the, the one thing that can take everything a man has and everything a man's ever going to have, will be swallowed up because our Savior lives. God is going to wipe away your tears. He says he's the Alpha and the Omega. He is the A to Z in this world's history. And what was broken at this world's beginning, he is going to fix it at its end. Then he says, he who is seated on the throne says, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. I know there are days in your life when you look around and it doesn't seem like God's keeping his promises. When it looks like Ephesus is about 40 miles away over the ocean, you might can see it, but you don't think you'll ever get there again. But here's the thing. God says these words are trustworthy and true no matter whether you feel them today or not. They are trustworthy and true right now whether or not it seems like they're working in your life. They are trustworthy and true if you believe them or not. They're trustworthy and true because the God who made this promise will not let these words fall. In fact, that the way he says it, the, uh, look what he says in verse 6. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. It's done. God says when he makes a promise, it's so certain, you could treat it like it's done. Whether or not you feel it, it's done. Whether or not you believe it, it's done. Whether or not your life right now seems like it's coming together or pulling apart at the seams, God says it's done. His promises will not fall. How much can love really change? Well, when it's the love of God, it's going to change this world. It's going to change your future it's even going to change you. You probably figured out by now who my friend is that's marrying the wrong girl. It's Jesus. And he's set to marry you. And everybody's right to tell him, are you sure, Jesus? Don't you remember how she treated you? Don't you remember how she left you? Are you sure, Jesus? And he says, it's going to be okay, because I love her. 
And the love of Jesus changes it all. Because the love of Jesus takes you to the cross where our sins are atoned. The love of Jesus takes you to the font where your past is washed away. The love of Jesus takes you to the altar where he gives you his own body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. The love of Jesus, that's what keeps whispering in your ear over and over, I can remember your sin no more. There's a reason Jesus is doing that for you, for me. Because he's getting us ready for our wedding day. The day when finally we will be everything that Jesus wants us to be. Because that's what he's going to make us. The day he comes to take us to be his own special possession. His most precious thing ever. Listen to what it says. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. It's talking about you. That God promises that the love of Jesus will change you and me and make us to be exactly what Jesus wants. You know that look that a bridegroom gets on his wedding day when the doors to the church open and his bride walks in for the first time? That that look of total commitment that says, she is only for me, I am only for her. A look that says, love will not stop. That's the way Jesus looks when he sees you, his beautiful bride. We might remember our past, but Jesus doesn't. We might remember our problems, but Jesus can't. Because his love changes everything. His love makes us the bride we're meant to be. God, in this book, he says, it's going to be okay because I love you. One day you're going to see it. In a world where there's nothing but peace and harmony, you're going to see it in a world where people like Eric Clapton get to hug their four-year-old son again. You're going to see it in the face of the bridegroom who looks at you and sees exactly what he's always wanted. You're going to see it soon. God grant it. Amen.